I'll never forget the first time that I made a promise. Uh, when you were a kid, you know, promises meant so much more. And like in that moment where promises just kind of clicked. And so I remember being a kid and uh, hearing this idea of a promise. And you know, promises back then, it was like, okay, we had crushes at that point as kids, and so the, the promises we made were that we weren't gonna tell anybody our crushes, or hey, we did something bad that we weren't supposed to do, and so we promised that we weren't gonna rat the other person out, right? We got you, we're good. And uh, I'll never forget the moment that a pinky promise was mentioned. Anybody remember pinky promises when you were a kid, right? Like a pinky promise was that thing that was so huge, so unbreakable. And for me, I remember my first pinky promise. It was with my best friend. Uh, we were in his front yard, and we were playing ball, throwing it back and forth and having a great time. And uh, his mom had parked her car in the driveway. You see where this is going. So he throws the ball, and I reach, and it goes right over my hand and slams straight into the side of her car and nice big old dent, and I remember him looking at me, like really kind of freaking out in this moment, like he's scared. And he's like, hey, you got a pinky promise. And I was like, okay, like, what, what are we pinky promising? Like, he's like, you got a pinky promise. If asked, I didn't throw this ball. And so I was like, okay, like I got you. Like we're, we're friends, we're bros, like I got it. So I pinky promised, right? And, and you cross those pinkies and you're like, this is an unbreakable vow, right? An unbreakable promise. And so. What didn't register in my head was when his mom came out. And she came out and she said, okay, who threw the ball? Well, I made a promise and I instantly was like, well, it wasn't him. <laughs> what didn't register in my head at this age was there were only two of us playing ball. And so I, I took the fall, right? I was like, yeah, I, I did it. I, I, I threw the ball, I made the dent because for me, I wanted to be a man of my word. I didn't want to be a promise breaker. I wanted to be a promise keeper. Good morning, my name is Josh, and I am so excited this morning to share with you. Uh, we're glad that you joined us, whether you're in person or online. We're kicking off our new series, uh, The Promise Keeper. This is our Christmas series, and we're gonna talk about uh, the promises that got fulfilled through the birth of Jesus. And today we're gonna start out with a promise that was made 2,000 years, nearly 2,000 years before uh, Jesus' birth. And by the end of this message today, my hope is that we'll come to the realization that not only is God a promise keeper, but that his promises are continuing to be kept through each of us. We're gonna be in Genesis 12, one through four, so if you wanna open your Bibles, and if you don't have a Bible, we have some bookshelves, we'd love for you to grab one of those before you leave today as our gift to you. Um, in Genesis 12, one through four, um, God is speaking to Abram. And in this passage, we're talking about Abram. His name hasn't been changed to Abraham yet because that happens in Genesis 17, but we're talking in Genesis 12, so let's dive in. It says, the Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. Now just imagine this for a moment. First off, God is speaking to you, right? We're in the, we're in the seat of Abram, and God is talking to you. Now, that's absolutely incredible, and at the same time, absolutely terrifying. And uh, being in ministry for almost a decade now, I've had so many people tell me, man, I just wish that God would talk to me. I just wish that God would speak to me. And part of me wants to look at them and be like, do you really? 
Like, how terrifying and awesome, but terrifying would it be for, for an audible voice of God to be speaking to you? It's why when somebody tells me, well, God told me, I, I kind of scratch my head for a second, right? Because I'm like, okay, so God told you to get another piece of pie, okay? Or, or wait, wait, God told me that we were going to be together. If somebody tells you that, run the other way. Right? Because if, so, if God actually spoke to you, you'd be terrified. You'd be shook. There'd be this, this moment inside of you that I can't believe that this is actually happening. And so there's also this, this, this question that I want to ask. Okay, so God told you, what did God sound like? Morgan Freeman? <laughs> Anyways, God is not only speaking to Abraham, but then he looks at Abraham and he says, go. He says, go. He says, leave everything that you know. Leave your household. Leave your father's house. Go. Now, imagine God speaks to Abraham. Really cool. God then tells Abraham to leave and go. Not cool anymore, right? Like, that's huge. So f- let's follow what happens next. Because Abraham, after the command, Abraham, or God says to Abraham, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So, leave everything that you have, but I promise you I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. You will be a blessing. You will, I will bless those who bless you, curse those who curse you, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Seven promises in the span of two verses. And not just random small promises, right? These are monumental, huge promises that God is telling Abram. Promises that don't just affect Abram, but generations to come and eventually the world in its entirety. So how does this all play out? The first thing I want us to to see in this is what follows directly after the promises. In Genesis 12, 4, it says this, So Abram went as the Lord had told him. Just as the Lord had told him to go, Abram went. You see, Abram didn't understand in this moment that his act of obedience was not just a blessing to him, Not just a blessing to his family, not just a blessing to his nation, but a blessing to the world forever. Abram's obedience unlocked God's blessing. And I wonder what keys of obedience that we've set aside and ignored or lost in the busyness of life, and in turn, what blessings we've left waiting to be unleashed in our lives and in the lives of those around us. You see, Abram, we see obedience to God shown in this passage does not just have influence on our lives, but in the lives of those around us. So it's interesting, I'm a dad uh, to twins, and uh, there are three right now. And obedience is something that we're working through right now. Um, and it's one of those things that has taught me a lot of patience, uh, because I want my, my three-year-olds just to get it, and they don't, right? And so... Uh, there's a day that we were at the house, and I think Megan had ran out to do something. And uh, Mike and Evelette were playing. And uh, for whatever reason, like for toddlers, whenever they walk into a room, they see a bucket or a bin of something. Now, our bin of Legos is a lot bigger. But what do they have to do with this bin? They've got to dump it out, right? 
right? It's like, okay, Legos, whatever it is, I got to make a mess. And, and parents, you're, you're with me with this on, right? Like, we'll clean the whole house. The whole house will be nice and organized, and I promise you, it's like Mike and Evelyn get off of daycare. They kick the door and <laughs> we're here to mess things up, right? It's like they walk in and they're like, this place is too clean. It's too organized. We've got to fix this. And, and so they'll go around and pick up these bins and they'll dump them all over the place. And it's stuff that they don't even want to play with, right? Like it's shoes. Like you're not playing with shoes, right? They just dump the shoes on the floor. It's folded laundry that's nice and neat, and it's like, nope, we got to dump it. It's in a bin. It's not supposed to be in the bin. And so I'm at the house by myself, and I'm watching our kids. And Mike and Evelyn both carry this big bin of Legos in together, and they dump it on the floor. And I'm sitting on the couch, and I'm looking at them. I'm like, okay, it's fine. But then they don't play with it. And so then I'm like, all right, Micah, Evelyn. Go pick up the Legos and put them in the bin, and then you can keep playing. And Micah, for whatever reason, has like this heart to like obey and listen really quickly. And so he puts down his Hot Wheels, and he goes over and starts picking up the Legos. Now, for that moment, for me, it was like, it warmed my heart, right? Because he, he, he listened and obeyed immediately. Uh, but for whatever reason, Evelette, Evelette doesn't move, looks at me and says, I have to read this book. Okay. You have to read this book. One, who told you you had to read this book? Two, you don't know how to read. <laughs> right? And in this moment, we have these two contrasts of obedience and disobedience. One warmed my heart and brought pride within me, and the other one about pushed me over the edge. <laughs> you see, obedience brings about a heart willing to bless. And disobedience challenges the heart to bless it all. And it's not that I don't want to bless my kids, right? It's not that I don't want to give them everything that they ever dreamed of. But when they act out of disobedience, I can't bless them on account of their disobedience. I don't want to reinforce that, that disobedience brings about blessing. For Micah, it was very easy to look at them and say, okay, well, Micah, Micah's going to get a treat because he listened and he obeyed. And, and so when Evelette heard that, Look, Daddy, I'm picking up the Legos. Look at this one. See, it's going in the bin just like you asked. And so once again, we have these two contrasts in terms of obedience. Micah responded without the promise of blessing. Evelette only responded upon the premise of blessing. And here lies the problem for so many of us. We expect that obedience will bring about blessing. But a father doesn't want us to respond for blessing. A father wants us to respond from blessing, from love. This is the difference between Christianity and religion. Christianity says that I am blessed, therefore I obey. Religion conveys the message that blessings come from obedience, that if I do X, Y, and Z, I will be blessed. Christianity says I am accepted, loved, forgiven, therefore I obey. Christianity says I trust God, therefore I obey. And you see this played out through Abram, right? God tells him, hey, listen, go, leave your family, do, do exactly as I tell you, leave everything that you've known, and Abram does it. Now, if God didn't trust God, 
or if Abram didn't trust God, if Abram didn't believe that God had every best interest for him, if Abram didn't believe that God would actually fulfill what he said he would do, if Abram didn't believe that God was a promise keeper, he wouldn't have obeyed. But he did. He trusted that God would show up. Now, it's easy for us to look back and to read this, because we can read this really quickly, uh, but Abram had no idea what was to come. Abram heard the blessing that God was talking about. He heard all of these things, these promises that God had laid out for him, but Abram couldn't actually wrap his head around what was actually to come. Abram had no idea of the lineage that would come from him. He had no idea that the Messiah would eventually come from his line. The promises were great, but the ability to understand them could not be grasped. All he knew was what God told him. And I guarantee you, if we were to ask Abram today, to, to see what God actually would do through him and through his family and through the generations to come, there's no way that he could actually understand the implications of his obedience because he didn't fully know. He had no idea what God meant, but what he did know was that he was a 75-year-old man with no son. For that matter, he wouldn't have his first son for another 25 years after the promise. Now think of this, 75 years and you're told you were going to become a great nation. And it takes 25 years for the first phase of that promise to be laid out. The phase of the birth of Isaac. 25 years and that promise would finally be made alive by God. But for Abram, it had to have felt like that promise was forgotten. For 25 years, it had to have felt like Abram was wondering, why am I continuing to be obedient? This is so difficult. You set out all of these things are going to happen. But how is that even possible when your promise hasn't even come close to being fulfilled? You see, the waiting season can't be ignored in this. It's in the waiting that we're challenged to trust when it doesn't make sense. It's in the waiting where where continued obedience is challenged. It's in the waiting where questions arise. And for Abram, it wasn't just the reality of having to wait to see the first phase of these promises fulfilled. It's also the reality that he had to have known that he wasn't even going to come close to seeing all of these promises even come close to being fulfilled. You see, it's easy for us to read scripture, but not fully grasp the waiting. Abram would hear this promise, but he would have to wait 25 years for his first son, Isaac. But could you imagine what he must have felt when Isaac came? Could you imagine that that feeling, that emotion after waiting and being obedient for 25 years? I love what Charles Spurgeon says about the waiting. The waiting itself is beneficial to us. It tries faith, exercises patience, trains submission, and endears the blessing when it comes. Man, I I have to think that as Abram finally gets to hold his baby boy, not that he wouldn't have, have had that moment if it had happened immediately after the promise, but I have to think that as Abram held that boy, he had to have been processing that 25 years of waiting, of trusting that God would come through. The promise was made, 25 years of waiting, 25 years of obedience, 25 years of wondering, and it finally was fulfilled. Now, what's incredible about the promise that we're talking about is that it would be fulfilled throughout Scripture. Like, following this promise, God would continue to let this be laid out throughout Scripture. And as we read through it, we can see this coming to fruition time and time again. When you look at the story of Joseph, who would come from the line of Abram, he was sold by his brothers into slavery. He was uh, wrongfully in prison, and 
wherever he ended up, God was with him and God blessed him. Now, remember, Abram did, or Abram, Joseph did really well in Potiphar's house. And Potiphar would actually raise him up to second in command in his household. And, and what does scripture tell us in Genesis 39? That Joseph was blessed, but who else was blessed? Potiphar. And what did our passage of scripture say earlier? That God would bless those who bless you. This is just another example of God continuing his promise keeping. But this wasn't the only thing, right? Joseph uh, would end up in prison. He'd end up coming out because he would uh, hear this call of, jo of Pharaoh's dreams. And he'd be like, hey, listen, I, I got you. I, I can interpret them. And he'd tell him, hey, your dreams mean that there's going to be seven years of famine and seven years of abundance. The seven years of abundance, we've got to take all this grain and we've got to store it away. And, and what scripture tells us is that as this plays out, the, the famine occurs after the years of abundance. And Joseph opens up the storehouses and starts feeding Egypt. But what, what it tells us, what the Bible tells us, is that the famine spread far and wide. Like, it wasn't just in Egypt. And so Joseph's there, and he says, okay, well, we're just going to start selling some of this grain to help those around us. And I want you to see what Genesis 41, 57 says. Moreover, all the earth came to Egypt to Joseph to buy grain, because the famine was severe over all the earth. Now, what was that promise that God made to Abram in Genesis 12, 3? And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. I would argue this morning that all the earth coming to Joseph and being fed would be an incredible blessing. You see, the promise keeper was keeping his promise even after Abram was gone. And there are countless other accounts that play out here through Scripture. But let's move ahead to the reason for the season, to the reason for the series. You see, we're heading towards one of the most celebrated holidays of the year, but Christmas is more than just trees and presents and music, and it's not just about the birth of our Savior, because the birth of our Savior is bigger than a holiday. The birth of our Savior reveals that God will do what he said he would do, that he is a promise keeper. What Abram could not have fathomed when God made those promises to him was that through him and his descendants, a Messiah would be born 2,000 years later. And this would change the world forever and bless all peoples on earth. That this Messiah would create a way for all people to have access to the Father. That this Messiah would bless the world through the sacrifice that he made on a wooden cross. This Messiah would wipe away the sins of all the world for those who choose to believe in him. And that this Messiah would finally welcome us, would welcome us into the family of God. You see what's fascinating about what we're talking about this morning is that 2,000 years before Jesus was born, God started a family to make a way for everyone to be in his family. God started a family through Abram when he gave him his son Isaac. And what Abram didn't understand in this moment was that this was just the start of his promise keeping. Was that his promise keeping was going to continue to be laid out for generations to come. God started fulfilling that promise through Abram. But this was just the start of his fulfillments. Jesus was born in a manger, uh, being born in a manger was God's fulfillment of his promise. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Through Jesus, we were given the opportunity, the, the choice to choose him to join God's family. And in John 1.12, it says, But to all who did receive him, who believe in his name, he, he gave the right to become children of God. What's incre incredible is that we are recipients of a promise that was made to Abram 
thousands of years ago, that when we, we surrender our lives to Christ, we are receiving a blessing that was promised to Abram. But what I also want you to understand this morning is that the promise was kept through Isaac, through Joseph, through Jesus, but the promise didn't end. You see, God made the promise. Jesus was the promise. And we are continuing in the promise. We are, continuing, we are the continuation of this promise. I tell our students all the time that uh, there are the two most important, important commandments in the Bible are to love God and to love others. And so we're called to love God and we're called to love others. And when we love others, we are blessing others. We are a continuation of this promise made to Abram. When we bless the world around us, the truth is, is that this 4,000-year-old promise is continuing to be kept by the promise keeper through each of us. We are living in the promise, and we can choose to live out the promise. So what does this look like? Maybe this morning, your start to being a part of the promise is obedience. Because for the promise keeper to continue to keep his promise through you and I, we must be drawn to a heart of obedience. And so maybe this morning, your act of obedience is saying, I'm going to pick up my Bible again. Maybe your act of obedience is saying, God, I don't know what this looks like, but I'm going to start being obedient in mercy and showing mercy when it doesn't make sense. Maybe it's patience and saying, God, I'm going to pick up patience because my kids are really testing my patience right now, right? Maybe it's saying, God, I'm going to pick up a call that you laid on my life. Uh, that, that I've kind of set aside and I haven't been obedient in, but I'm going to start trusting you again. Maybe it's saying grace. Grace has got to be something that is a part of my life, and I want to be obedient in that. Maybe it's surrender, and it's saying, God, I need to surrender these pieces. And as we pick up these pieces to obedience, what we don't understand and we can't fathom in this moment is that we are unlocking the ability for God to bless. Now, it's not because we have the promise of blessing in this moment, right? We aren't doing this out of, we aren't obedient out of, bless, or out of a promise of a blessing. We're obedient because we are blessed. And what we don't realize is that in this moment, we give God the ability to give us more than we could fathom. And see, in Genesis 12, 2, it, tell, it, um, it tells us that God told Abram that he was going to make him into a great nation, that he was going to take building blocks of obedience for generations to come after him and turn him into a great nation. And when that happened, God was able to, in that moment, unleash blessings that Abram could not have fathomed. Anybody got some toddlers in the room that they could have a blessing, that this would be a huge blessing for them? Come on up. Yep, right here. You see, here's what's so cool about being a dad and seeing your kids act out of obedience is that when they start doing stuff and they start getting something, well, the coolest, one of the coolest moments as a dad that I've had is when they take what they've been given and they share it with others. And so maybe that's the phase that you're in. Maybe you've been obedient and you've already picked up those pieces, but maybe you've got the, that blessing, that more that God gave you. And maybe your step today is saying, okay, I'm going to take a step out and be a blessing to others. Maybe it's finding a place in your life or somebody in your life that you can say, hey, I've been blessed with more. Let me bless you. It's two steps. 
Maybe today it's obedience, and it's one step of obedience that starts building towards that nation that God is talking about, but maybe it's also that other step. Finding a way to be a blessing from your blessing. You see, we can choose this morning to be a blessing and be a part of God's promise to Abram. So in a season that we celebrate giving, will you look for opportunity to continue God's promise keeping? Will you pray with me? Father, thank you uh, for this day and thank you for the fact that you are a promise keeper. That a promise that you made 4,000 years ago to Abram is continuing to be played out today. Father, I pray that we would pick up that mantle. We'd pick up those pieces of obedience and from the things that you give us, the blessings that we have and the blessings that you continue to pour out on us. Father, I pray that you would give us a heart to start to bless from our blessing, to continue out those moments of obedience in our lives even when it's hard and it doesn't make sense. We see Abram where he's obedient for 25 years and he has to be wondering, God, will you help us have that same spirit of obedience when it doesn't make sense? Will you help us be a blessing to, to others and will you help us be a blessing to the world around us through the blessings you've given us? Thank you for being a promise keeper. Meet us here this morning. We pray this in your name. Amen.